0: Hi, I'm Delphine, founder of Femtech France, and Femtech to me is about bringing equality in health so women receive the care they need. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness.
1: Welcome to the Femtech Focus Podcast, brought to you by FemHealth Insights, the leaders in women's health, market research, and consulting. In this show, we have meaningful and provocative conversations with Fem Health experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto. In today's episode, I interview Delphine Moulou, co-founder of FemTech France. Delphine has always worked in the startup world and was formerly head of events at Station F, the world's largest startup campus based in Paris. Here, she had the opportunity to co-create Station F's FemTech program, and hasn't been able to get her mind off of the FemTech industry ever since. FemTech France was launched in September 2022 with a mission to accelerate women's health innovation in France. To do this, they support the development of French FemTech startups, create synergies between different players in the ecosystem, and take part in debates and strategic reflections on the political, technological, and societal challenges of our sector. In this interview, we discuss the role of the French government in women's health, the importance of teaching non-medical Femtech founders about the science of female health, and the goals of Femtech France. This is a great opportunity to learn more about the women's health ecosystem in France. Learn more about the Femtech France programs at femtechfrance.org. Enjoy the episode.
0: Bienvenue, Delphine. Hi, Brittany. Thank you for having me. (laughs) It's a
1: (laughs) pleasure to have you. It was so cool. You're actually one of the people that I've met in a foreign
0: country at a Femtech event in Paris. I know. It was so cool to finally meet you.
1: (laughs) It was really, really fantastic. What a great time we had there. Um, I'm so happy with all of the progress you've made, and I really wanted to highlight that in today's episode and talk about the French ecosystem for FemTech. So before we do that, we always love to learn a little bit more about our guests. So can you please tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and how you got into the FemTech industry?
0: Sure. Um, so my name is Delphine Moulu. Uh, I'm French, as you can hear, probably. Uh, I live in Paris. <laughs> um, my background is uh, on business. I did business studies, and then I worked in startups, only startups, uh, I, I think because I did my first internship in one, and I really liked um, the environment and the responsibilities. I had the chance to touch to everything. I felt I felt like I was learning new things every day, so worked only in startup and mostly in tech, uh, first at communications roles, and then more in events. And uh, my last position was at Station F, uh, which is the world's largest startup campus based in Paris. I worked there for three years. I was head of events, and I also had the chance to launch the um, Station F Femtech program. It's where uh, I discovered um, the Femtech industry. And then I left Station F and in September 2002, I launched, um, the collective Femtech France with my two associates, Juliette Moreau and Christelle Bonny.
1: Amazing. When you were at Station F, which is, like you said, the largest, um, it's the largest incubator or co-working space for startups.
0: Uh, It's more an incubator. Uh, It's not a co-working space. You have to apply and enter in one of the program if you want to Uh to go to Station F. They have 30 different programs um, on different verticals, and they are running themselves um, three in-house programs and one on Femtech.
1: Amazing. And so as someone who spearheaded the Femtech uh, program, how was that received? You know, when you were talking, I'm sure you needed to get approval for it. When you brought that up, what were those discussions like?
0: Um, actually, it was very well received. Um, first, uh, I think because Station F director is a woman, Roxane Varza, and she's, she has always been involved in um, diversity and inclusion, and especially in female founders. Uh, herself, before Station F, she launched a non dedicated to female founders, so she always has a strong interest in that. And in terms of women's health, um, when we pitched the project, uh, none of them knew what Femtech was, but myself, I was not really aware uh, in 2020 of what Femtech was. There was nothing in France. So we had to explain to the team uh, what it was, what was going on uh, internation- internationally, and why we thought Station App was the right actor to create uh, this industry in France. And they quickly went on board. Um, so it was not that hard. The hardest part, I think, was to convince them to launch a new in-house program because Station F was already uh, created since uh, three years. There were two programs, and it was something very new to add a new one out of nowhere and also one um, specific to a vertical because the two other programs are generalists. So it was a very different strategy that they were not specifically um i mean it was not the strategy and uh that they had planned but they see the need they saw the need and i think it was uh the right decision and also it sent uh, a strong signal to the industry that if such an actor as station f is um paying attention to FemTech and creating a dedicated program it means that uh, there's a huge potential so That's everyone right. should look into it yeah more closely yeah.
1: And just to clarify the female founder thing, for our listeners who may be new to some of our statistics here, that over 85% of Femtech founders are female. And so that's really rare to have a tech industry predominantly founded and led by women. Um, but it does fit really well, nicely into anyone who's interested in female founders. Femtech is a, a natural right fit. Um, is that program still happening at Station F?
0: Yes, it's still on. Uh, There's someone else uh, running it. And um, I think it's still the same concept six months program for uh, 10 to 15 early stage uh, femtech startups. And um, are
1: they have to be French?
0: No, uh, they can be French or European. I don't think we take, uh, they take US one because the market is very different and much more mature. But no, they don't have to be French ones.
1: Awesome. Well, any listeners in Europe, you should definitely check out the Station F Femtech program. I know that I'm a mentor there and I, I give a talk yes. every <laughs> cohort and I love it. Um, I actually got to meet some of those founders when we were in Paris last month for the mm-hmm. Med Femtech Congress. Um, well, you're now working on Femtech France. Can you tell us a little bit about what Femtech France is? Why did you found it? What's its goal?
0: Yes, definitely. So Femtech France is um, the collective of femtech entrepreneurs, and our goal is to accelerate uh, innovation in women's health in France. And we have three ways to do so. So we support um, innovation in women's health in France. We support the entrepreneurs. Um, We also foster the ecosystem and create synergies between the different members. Uh, founders, investors, healthcare professionals, uh, research labs, etc. And we also take part in all the strategic debates and reflection around women's health in France.
1: Amazing. What is the femtech industry like in France? Is it how many companies are there? Is there any trends like are they working on, you know, anything predominantly over other things? Tell us a little bit about the landscape.
0: Yes, and I actually have very fresh data about the French landscape Ooh, because we, published- we
1: love data yeah. <laughs> and we love fresh data. Give it to us.
0: <laughs> we published a, a report recently, like a few weeks ago, in the first one on the um, French FemTech ecosystem. So we have um as of June 2023, um 115 femtech startups in France, which is quite cool. Um that's we,
1: incredible considering our database has about 1600. So 1,600. And so that's really fantastic that about 100 of them are from France. That's really amazing.
0: It is. Yeah. We see a lot of growth in the, the past two years. Um, so among them, we have a community turnover of a little bit more than 30 million euros. So all those results, the results are on uh, 70 startups that reply to our uh, our reports and our questionnaire. So all the data. Seventy, sure.
1: like seven zero.
0: Yes, seven okay. zero. Yeah. Um, we talked about the funding team and the fact that there are a lot of female founders. Our number is even higher. Uh, we have ninety six percent of the femtech startups in France co founded by a woman.
1: Wow. That's interesting. Do you have, and maybe you don't have the data ready right now as I'm asking this, but do you have any statistics on solely female founded versus female co-founded?
0: I do. I don't have it right now, but yes, I can check it out and send it to you afterwards. I think it's huge. Most of them are mostly female founders. Yeah. Yep, Yep. Fantastic. Um, What else? Uh, Maybe two more numbers. I don't want to share all of them with you. (laughs) Um,
1: We'll definitely link your report in the show notes, listeners. So definitely go and check that out. Yeah.
0: Right. Yes. And we have a version in English so everyone can read Mm -hmm. into it. (laughs) Um, 73% of the startups are selling their product um, in France, but also outside. So internationally. And uh, last uh, figures on funding, 40% of the startups have raised funds, and the median is 1 million euro. So a bit low. Uh, we st- we, I think we'll talk about that later, probably. But funding is one of the, um, the challenge uh, for mm. f- French femtech startups uh, today.
1: For sure. I also wonder if that number is low due to the age of the companies, right? It's not like um, 50 of the 130 companies are, you know, Series C and D. They're Um, pretty much all probably seed Series A. Exactly. Would you agree with that?
0: Yes, definitely. It's very early stage startups uh, in France at the moment. Yes. Um.
1: Do you find any trends in terms of, um, you know, is it heavy on the more health tech side with medical devices, diagnostics, therapeutics, or is it more, you know, digital health and CPG or was it kind of evenly distributed?
0: No, um, it's, I would say it's more digital health uh, and CPG. Um, and we have also a lot of supplements um, and also we see uh, a lot of uh, SaaS startups uh developing software for healthcare professionals um and in terms of segments uh, it's mostly global health reproductive health and uh, maternity Mm -hmm. Um, and then behind i think we have the chronic disease with a lot of endometriosis Um, yeah yeah. those are the, the most represented
1: yeah, definitely. And I'm really interested to talk about endometriosis because even your president, uh Emmanuel Macron, uh, said something about that. So we're gonna get, get into that for a second, but I just can't help myself ask a few more data questions. Um sure. do you think that the FEM uh, excuse me, the French startup ecosystem um and the trends there kind of align with the trends you're seeing in FemTech? And what I mean by that is Are there a lot of, you know, supplement companies in France? Is that like a really French thing like that? There's lots of supplement companies or um, software as a clinical support tool. Like, is that SaaS models? Is that really popular in France? Tell our listeners a little bit about the tech ecosystem in France in general. And is that mirrored? Is that similar to what we're seeing in the in the femtech trends?
0: Yes, I think it's pretty similar. Uh, There definitely are a lot of supplement startups in France. Um, Same for uh, SaaS products and software for healthcare professionals. Um, But there are also some some differences. I'm trying to think, for example, we won't have um, online fertility clinics in France because um, it's free. Uh, in France, to have fertility oh. treatments, so you can't really sell that. Uh.
1: My brain is just you know exploding into confetti like that's crazy, <laughs> it's incredible and you know, like wild. It's pretty new, so, it's yeah. Pretty
0: new but yeah, th- those are some differences, um, due to our healthcare system. Uh, that that's right, about, yeah.
1: That's right. Well, speaking of government-funded healthcare systems, let's talk about Emmanuel Macron. Mm-hmm. So I think he had a quote in a major newspaper a while ago about how endometriosis is something that we should pay attention to. Can you kind of recap what happened there?
0: Yeah, sure. So it was last year. Um, so the, our president, Emmanuel Macron, um, actually announced a national strategy. Um, against endometriosis and the goal was first um, to develop research program and training for healthcare professionals and then to improve the diagnostic and the the patient journey. Um, We are one year and a half later and there still isn't any research program on endometriosis in France and um, patient advocacy groups um, regret that there hasn't been any budget allocated Um, but it was. It still, I think, was a good thing um, in terms of startups. We saw more startups being created on endometriosis uh, since 2022, um, on diagnostic, but also post-diagnostic to help uh, women live through. Um, I mean, decrease the symptoms, and it also helped raising awareness on uh, this chronic disease. I think now even my dad know what endometriosis is. Yes. Yes, it's a funny mention.
1: Because uh, I was, as many listeners know, as a foreign exchange student in high school, lived in Paris for a year. And my host parents, I still am in touch with them. When Emmanuel Macron like published that quote, they, they sent it to me. They were like, oh, Femtech is in France. And I'm like, it was always there also, but it became relevant to them, right? They were exactly. like, oh, like Brit's work is showing up in our lives. Once again, already was in their lives, but it kind of made it mainstream, right?
0: Yes. And I think that was useful, but... Um, Matriosis is just one part of women's yeah. health and we would need more like a national strategy on women's health globally. I think that would be more useful. But um, Totally. Yeah.
1: Do you happen to know what like influenced him or inspired him to make a quote about that? Like, was there some report that he read and responded to or was there some campaign or... I, I wasn't sure if there was like a trigger for why he mentioned it.
0: No, uh, to be honest, I don't really know why um he launched this national strategy and where it comes from it came hmm. from
1: well no. probably a woman <laughs> on his team has <laughs> yes. initiated it and he had to co-sign it so um but we appreciate you uh emmanuel thank you keep talking about endometriosis <laughs> just give us some funding um <laughs> exactly. Are there some unique challenges for uh, femtech companies in France that are different for potentially from maybe other European countries or even just other continents?
0: Um, I think there is. Um, first, because of our healthcare system, um, as mentioned previously, uh, it's a pretty good healthcare system. When you are sick in France, uh, your uh, health expenses are covered by the state. The state, sorry, which is cool. Um, but when it comes to women's health, uh, we still have to pay for a lot of stuff. Um, and VC don't always, uh, realize that. So when they have a B2C femtech startup pitching, they say, well, I don't believe in your product because women won't pay for it in France. Well, uh, femtech France, we kind of disagree with that. We feel that women are already paying for the health. Um, if we take the example of, uh, menstrual health. A lot of women buy every month uh, their period product um, and even themselves don't really realize that it's a health expense because they buy it at the supermarket with milk and cereal. So they feel like it's, you know, my daily, um, daily shopping expenses. Well, it's not. It's primary health, primary need, Uh but you pay for it. Or if we talk again about endometriosis, there is no treatment. So if you want to lower your symptoms, you might do um, yoga class or buy supplements and none of this is covered. So as well, you pay it out of your pocket. So I think this is um, unique to France. Mm, Um, Yeah,
1: similar to that thread there, I know we have uh, an amazing employee at Health Insights, Megan Fuller out of London, and she was talking about how Yes, um, like uh, the government pays for your health care, but there's certain things they don't. And so therefore, those professionals don't even really exist in the community. So we were talking about pelvic floor therapy and how that isn't either covered at all or only covered partially and so therefore the number of pelvic health therapists in the UK is is very very minimal is there any trends like that in France where it is it is definitely healthcare but maybe considered like an optional or like um you know uh something that's not a a, a core healthcare service that the government is covering
0: um that's a good question. Well, I think menstrual health is the would be the, the main one. Yeah, um,
1: that's OK. I was just wondering, because, you know, as an American, I'm like, what, your government pays for anything. And so I also have to be reminded that they also are not paying for everything, though, and they consider no. some things that we would consider essential to the recovery or well-being of women. And the government's like, no, that's kind of a nice to have.
0: No, no, yes. I think, uh, menstrual health, uh, on contraception, there were a few announcements lately. So I think now you can get, um, free contraception, um, at the, the pharmacist out of the counter. Uh, but I, Uh, that's huge. (laughs) We have, I I think, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if there is a limit of age or something like that. Maybe it's only for a youngster or below 18 years old or 25 years old but there there really, wasn't an, oh an announcement God. about that literally
1: the opposite of america <laughs> 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 yeah. um, if you're young and under you know served we're not going to help you surgery <laughs> so is <just> like <laughs> the american motto um what is abortion like in france is it legal
0: yes 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 it's legal
1: legal is there ser- any restrictions on on length of pregnancy or does it, is it just up to the woman?
0: No, there's a the restriction on the length of the pregnancy. And, um, you can have either medical abortion or, um, how is it called? Well, either you take the meds or you go to the the hospital surgical. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, but no, hopefully it's still legal and well, um, Uh, Well, organized uh, for the moment.
1: That's good. Yes, this
0: is very different from the US.
1: Also, very different from the US. (laughs) Looking more and more to maybe immigrating to France.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Come join us (laughs) with me.
1: What would you want to tell companies that want to expand to France? What is some advice you might have for them? Um,
0: I would advise them. well, maybe to pay attention if they uh, are doing B2C, because as mentioned, it's a bit more complicated in France uh, when you're a B2C startup at the moment. It might change, but we see a lot of um, French startup uh, which have started as B2C shifting towards B2B2C because they have trouble getting access to funding. Um, and I also would recommend to do, um, a good due diligence because, as mentioned, we have more than a hundred uh, French femtech startups and there are probably some of them, um, interesting either for an acquisition or a partnership. Um, and this would allow to, so to have someone with a strong expertise on, um, whether segment they're working on, but also to have knowledge on the local market, the French healthcare system, which is um, a bit specific, so I think this could also be interesting.
1: Would you recommend a company if they wanted to expand to the French market and find a local partner? Should they reach out to you? Are you a great uh, a hub for that, or how else can they get in touch with other femtech companies in France?
0: Uh, that's a great question. We we start to receive some uh, requests, and we they can reach out to us. Uh, we haven't officially launched anything. About that yet, but we always happy. To, we are always happy to do the right connection and uh, yes, give them um, the the right contacts.
1: You were mentioning about fundraising. I have another question about the government enrollment here. Um, I talk to a lot of European femtech companies that their first few million is from government grants. And that is very different from the US where we don't have an Institute for Women's Health at the NIH. And so we do not have a dedicated budget at the federal level to to grant money to early stage women's health research or or startups. But in Europe, it seems to be that there's a lot of early stage funding. How is it in France? Do you find that a lot of femtech startups are getting government funding from France? Not a lot. Just tell me a little bit about that.
0: No, not a lot. So we have some uh, grants and government funding, but not any dedicated to women's health, um, which is a pain and it's also something that we're trying to work on with Femtech France. Um but if you're uh if you are a startup in France, you can access some grants, yes, with certain conditions. It depends if you're more tech on if you're working on this, on that, but there are some grants available, but none specific to women's health yet.
1: Mm. Yeah. I have another friend in in Paris, uh Charlotte. Charlotte, if you're yes. listening to this, cuckoo. Hey girl. <laughs> um uh she she like quit her job in order to pursue potentially becoming like a femtech like consultant in France. And she was telling me that oh yeah, like our government promo- like supports you financially if you quit your job to start a startup. They'll give you like a certain percentage of your previous salary for like a year or two years. So she was like, two years, two years. Okay. I was like, (laughs) that can't even, but it is is two. That is what she said. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, I have two years to figure out my business model or even if my idea is valid. And then like, and so I have some like supplemental income and that blew my mind. It blew my mind. Um, can you tell, what is that program? Like, do you know any details about that program?
0: Yes. So actually there, there are two things. If you quit your job in a good condition with your employer and everything, you can get two years of um, percentage of your old uh, revenue. Uh, it doesn't, you don't have to be launching your business or anything. It's like it's revenue that you have owned because you worked for a certain amount of time and it gives you time to find another job. Oh, uh... That's what we have for two years. But it, you need to meet certain conditions if you're fired or if you quit, but not with the right quitting um, conditions. If yeah. I can say, yes, you're not uh, eligible to that. Mm. Um And then if you launch your company, you can use those two years of money um to, as, uh, the capital, as the capital at the as the first money of your company.
1: oh my gosh France that's so <laughs> cool it is amazing. that is so it's awesome. super
0: cool and French um French funders of any kind of companies are all, always using that it's um, it's um, the first source of revenue for a lot of French funders.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's what Charlotte was telling me. Because I was like, well, what are you doing in the meantime, girl? And she was like, oh, you know, like the government. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing in the government? Yeah. Like, cause It's for not me, super it was-
0: risky to launch a startup in France uh, for the first two years at least. Then yeah. it's another, another. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. my
1: credit cards would uh, definitely be grateful for having some supplemental income <laughs> as we were figuring out our business model. But uh, that's fine. That's fine. All good. <laughs> it is all good. Um, Another question about the French ecosystem. One of the major issues we have in the United States is censorship of women's health in the media. So for example, on TV commercials for menstrual pads, they're still using green or blue liquid instead Mm -hmm. of red liquid, let alone what periods actually look like, which is like chunky and mucus and you know, like (laughs) it's actually not even just your like liquid y'all. And so But like when I lived in France, like breasts can be on TV, breasts can be on billboards, like talking about sex was not that weird. Like people were really open about it. They had good sexual education or at least some sexual education in comparison to what I was having in the United States. Do you find uh, for your femtech companies when they do marketing, do they also have issues with censorship around verbiage and stuff? Yeah. Tell us about that.
0: Yes, they, they also have issues mostly on social media, uh, such as Instagram, Meta. Um, they have a lot of censorship. Um, if, as you mentioned, yeah, breasts, if they want to, if they do, if they have, sorry, uh, breastfeeding, um, solution or product and they want to show it and to show a breast on their um on their post, they are censored uh because there is a tit, so they need to find other ways. Um there's also plenty of words that they can't use, such as vulva or sex or you know, so many of them. And so it's very hard them uh to do acquisitions through social media and that's yeah that's a huge pain in terms of tv and commercial i think it's only since this year uh, that in france we have we can see blood in red uh, in tv commercial but it was the same wow uh,
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It'd be really interesting to see if like some femtech company could put up some um, media in the metro system, because that was one of the big kind of scandals here in the U.S. in New York City. Dame Products, which is a sexual wellness company, they had some ads that were promoting sexual wellness for women and had like uh, fruits that kind of resembled vulvas. Right. So still very like innuendo like not even really there and it was right next to like an erectile dysfunction ad that was like get harder your money back with a giant phallic looking you know penis like thing and yet the new york city subway said no no no, we can't have dame products that's inappropriate and so dame sued new york city subway and they did win and they were able to put up um uh some media unfortunately it had to be modified to be even less vulva like but i was i'm wondering if in france obviously the social media it's owned by and run by the same policies as you know silicon valley is i wonder if in the streets of france we could have some more open you know media conversations or images yes.
0: Yes. And that's a very good news. Um, I was um, surprised in a good way to see an advertising in the Paris uh, subway lately for, from a femtech uh, company. Don't you love that? When I see a (laughs) femtech
1: company's commercial on TV or an advertisement somewhere, especially if the founder's been on the show and this has happened multiple times, I like lose my little mind. I'm like, I know them. I knew them. You know, it's so fun.
0: It is. It is. And I was very um, impressed that they managed to do it. There is the word vulva on the <gasps> billboard on the Paris yes. subway. <laughs> and this was incredible. And when I asked the founders, they they didn't say they had trouble running this um, this campaign. All right, y'all.
1: Well, apparently we all just got to promote in the Paris Metro because... Exactly. <laughs> a fair game there. Delphine, if you have a picture of you in front of that, please send it. We'd love to promote it along with this episode. <laughs> We'll do so. (laughs) Wow. Cool. All right. Well, I would like to talk about uh, Femtech France. You have some really interesting programs going on. Can you please tell us about your program that is teaching aspiring founders who don't have medical backgrounds? Um, Just tell us about that program. Why did you start it? What does it look like? What's its purpose?
0: Sure. So when we launched um, Femtech France last year, we started with this boot camp that we called Femtech School. Um, and we created it because we received a lot of requests from aspiring Femtech founders who exactly don't have a medical background, but, but want to launch their company. Um, femtech founders in France, and I think globally, are mostly patients. Uh, yes. They start from their own experience.
1: Yep. And I was just this, having uh, this conversation with another Femtech expert that our our executive leadership in Femtech is predominantly patient advocates versus exactly. medical doctors. Yep.
0: They had a, a, a bad experience, and they want to change the world and help women around them, uh, which is great. But it's hard to, under the, to enter the healthcare system when you don't have any knowledge and experience in this industry. So this is why we create this um, this bootcamp. It's on it's twenty hours of online courses um, divided into four parts. The first one is about, uh, women's health. So we have uh, an OBGYN giving the classes and explaining how the women, women's body work, uh, the hormones, but also how can you write, um, a report, um, a paper that will be published in a scientific, um, journal. So it give, it gives you all the tools, uh, on this topic. Then the second one is about the healthcare system in France. How does it work? Who are the actors? How can you work with them? Uh, How can you have your product reimbursed? All of that. Uh, And in this part, we have uh, our two sponsors, which is um, the Pharmaceutical Lab Organon and the Health Insurance um, Group Vive. Both of them um, give class and explain how they work with startups, um, how do they do open innovation, how um, Health Insurance Group work, actually what's behind it um then the third um topic is about femtech what's this word what does it mean what's going on in france in europe and globally and where uh where can I, what can i do what are the opportunities for me with my initial idea mm-hmm. and then an impact we want to show them that um they can both um create a business and uh have an impact they don't need to be a non-profit for that they can be profitable and so we're trying um at at this time to yeah to share this with them
1: uh, I have a lot of follow-up questions that sounds like an amazing program that even I would like to take is it in French
0: no I'm uh, uh, sorry yes <laughs> yes it's in French and it's only for French founders uh, for for the time
1: yeah and do the French founders pay to take this class
0: uh, no they don't have to pay because we have the sponsors covering the cost for them
1: Amazing. And is it, was it pre-recorded? And like, so it's a, it, I guess answer that first. Is it pre-recorded or is it live classes?
0: It's live classes.
1: Oh, so people can interact.
0: Exactly. And it's a small group. For the first bootcamp that we did last year, we had eight startups and same, we're doing another one in September. We receive a lot of applications, but we wanted to take only 10 maximum and decided to take even less because we thought those are the ones that we really can help today Uh, So small group, one speaker, and you can ask all your questions.
1: Wow, this is phenomenal. Um, How was it received after your first cohort? What what was some of the feedback from the uh, participants?
0: It was very well received. Actually, we didn't plan at the time to do another one. It was just like, okay. We're going to do one, we see how it goes, uh, and we don't want to be an incubator. We don't want to run programs, programs, programs. Uh, but it was very well received, both from the funders and the, the sponsors, the partners. So we decided to do another one this year. Um, and it's it's also very exciting to uh, be with those funders for two months and then see how they go, how they evolve afterwards. Um try to create synergies as well between them and the two sponsors. This is the goal and what we want to do with Femtech France, make sure that more actors of the ecosystem work together. Um, So no, it's pretty exciting. We're quite happy to be able to do it again uh, in September.
1: Do you think that this is a program that could be copied and pasted into other markets?
0: Definitely. Uh, What we're trying to do is really help them um, save time, give them a toolbox. So they have all the info they need what we teach them uh, they can find the info online for most of the part but it will take them a lot of time they won't be sure is this source correct am i getting the right info is this info uh, updated so we we're trying to make them um save time meet one another as well the cohort it's important uh, mm-hmm. they can, uh, then support one another, uh, have helped one another on different topic. Yeah. I and, was thinking uh, if
1: we did the copy and pasting in other markets, maybe there's like the market, you know, country specific lessons. And then maybe there's even a collaborative, like international, like, or like, um, Almost like an exchange program, you know, like where we we kind of do like a swift swap.
0: That would be great to learn more about uh, each local ecosystem and, uh, yeah, get good practices. And even for us in France, it's super early stage um, market. But so we have a lot of a ton of stuff to learn from you guys, for example, in the US. So, yeah, I think that would be super, super valuable.
1: Um, I just came back from... I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention it publicly, but what I'll say was that I was in this working group and we were assigned a task to think about how to ex- improve women's health worldwide. And one of the ideas we came up with was this uh, trans global approval. And so, which I loved, I was like, "Wow, this is so cool, which was, what if we looked at all of the medical devices, diagnostics, supplements, and therapeutics in all the countries in the world for women's health, and then mapped which countries don't have any solutions of which exist, but they're just in another market. And then ask the question, why is it not in this other market? So for example, monastery, <clears throat> Which is an over the counter yeast infection uh, treatment in the United States. So, women very often at one in the morning, your vagina's on fire, you'll go to CVS or Walgreens, you get your monostat, you go home, you, you treat your yeast infection. Japan does not have that. Women have to go see a physician to get an antifungal prescription. Then they have to go to the pharmacy. Then they have to pick it up, right? So the question is, why is Monistat not in Japan? And honestly, it could just be because that the company that owns Mon- Monistat, it is not a business like – incentive for them to do it like maybe there's you know some approvals they'd have to pay for whatever maybe they have great profit margins in the U.S. so they don't care what if though we created this coalition and almost made like a generic pharmaceutical company that said hey let us buy a license from you and we want to expand it into these countries and then like get funding from philanthropic people because obviously a lot of the countries will be lower middle income countries right Mm -hmm.
0: what do you think about that idea by the way (laughs) I think that would be great. And there is definitely a need. And um, yeah, uh, in France, uh, what we would really need, I think, would be on contraception because we really don't have a lot of innovation there at the moment. So it would be you super. you think less
1: than other markets or just in general?
0: Less than other markets.
1: Oh, really? Why would you say that?
0: Um, in the mapping that we did, uh, we haven't, I mean, there might be, there is one. A companion contraception um, uh, among the 115. Oh, so okay. nothing. Yeah.
1: More. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think that we have some plans, Delphine, to uh work on some collaborations here. I Definitely. think we just built the beans a little bit <laughs> <laughs> on record. Um, what is your your vision for this program? Do you think you're gonna do additional cohorts in the future? Do you think that it's gonna be tweaked at all? And then also um tell us about FemTech Francis. Is there other stuff that you guys are working on?
0: Um So for the program, um, I don't know if we'll do another uh, edition next year. We'll see how this one works and if Mm -hmm. we want to to pursue. Um, What we did lately, we went to VivaTech, which is a huge um, tech event in Paris every year. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had the first Femtech Village there where we had uh, more than 20 Femtech startups exhibiting their products. And it was a... Kind of a milestone for us because we're quite young. We launched in September last year, so we haven't um, celebrated our first anniversary yet. And we were quite proud to be at this huge European event showcasing the FemTech industry. Uh, We had three ministers who came to the village to meet the startups, do uh, a little speech saying how important FemTech is and why they support um, the industry. Uh, We did also a press announcement, so a lot of press coverage on um generally expressed on femtech so what we've done for the past year is a lot of communications uh we educate the the market on what on women's health and why, why there's a need and um sh- give examples of what innovation um looks like in the femtech industry and explain that it is an industry. It brings money. Uh, so it's important also for the economy. Um, Now we need to see more actions. Uh, we need to see more funding, uh, because there's a lot of hype. Uh, everybody's talking about femtech. Um, but when we talk to the funders, it's a very different reality. Uh, they can't get access to funding, they have to close down their company. So the future of MTech France is to keep going, keep working super hard and try to um, make this industry strive.
1: Yeah. Is there a lot of funding in general in France for startups or is that already kind of a baseline issue?
0: No, funding is quite good. Okay. I mean, it's less than, uh, last year because of the um the context i think it's the same for everyone but no i don't think it's trouble of funding in france Um, but first it's female founders and that we know that in france they are less funded the stats are here Mm -hmm. and it's women's health uh which is super taboo we have men vc behind so super hard
1: yeah, we have all all those things. Well, sounds I similar. Know. <laughs> yes, sounds similar.
0: I'm not teaching you anything, but um,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Delphine, this has been such an incredible conversation. We have two last questions that our listeners love. The first one is if someone wanted to start a femtech startup, what's an area in women's health and wellness that still needs innovating?
0: Um, I think contraception, uh, as mentioned women contraception but i'm also passionate about male contraception i'd love to take out the burden of contraception out of the out of women i think there's plenty of stuff to do there and there are some american companies working on it um so this would be interesting i'm thinking also about menopause so there are a lot of apps and supplements but we need meds uh, molecules medicines so i think that's also um there's a need here and uh, yeah um, those two ones, I would say.
1: Those are very big categories, <laughs> many <laughs> big solutions. And our last question is, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful?
0: Um, so funding, definitely, um, research as well. Um, so we talked about endometriosis and, uh, the fact that there is not, there isn't any research project, but it's not the the only segment uh, lacking in France, um pelvic floor as well, which is kind of strange because we have um, pelvic floor sessions reimbursed by the government um, after pregnancy, but there hasn't been any study on it. So we're not able to say, is it working uh, <laughs> or not? So, yeah, I know
1: research y'all. And that doesn't just mean, as we just heard, it doesn't just mean in a laboratory. It literally means market research. That's actually one of the other things we recommended at this forum I was at was like, we need consistent data on the market value because, well, first of all, our problem is that we have the wrong people at the table making decisions And so if we were at the table, it's pretty obvious to us what decision needs to be made, which is like fund women's health, support women's health. But regardless, until we're at those table filling up all the seats, we need to make the business case to convince the people at the table. Right. But you can't make the business case if you can't show a return on investment, right? You can't make the business case if you can't show how many women are experiencing this or how it impacts their job or how, you know, my um my my co-founder uh, Jillian, she wrote um an article a few months ago on the economic burden of menstrual health and she actually could not find a lot of data, if any, about women in the workforce and menstrual health. It was a lot about girls in school, which is absolutely mm-hmm. important and critical. But she was like, "Uh, apparently after 18, like we're good. Like we have no menstrual <laughs> health issues that affect our life because no one's calculated it really. And even myself, when we published that $1.1 trillion women's health market size. Yeah. PMS premenstrual syndrome, like the few days before your period starts, where you're a little sad, you're, you know, tired, you're crampy, all these things. No one's calculated the market value. So no one has published, to the best of our knowledge, if you've if you've done it, send it to us. But nobody's published how much money are women spending every month right before their period even starts, right? And so it's like, okay, and as we were talking about before, we're spending money on those pads and tampons and products. We're not even calculating the amount of aspirin and ibuprofen and heating pads and, you know, all this other stuff beforehand. So um, research, not just the biological kind, but the market kind too. Absolutely important.
0: Exactly. And I'd love to do... um, a study in France on the cost of women's health to show that women are already spending money for their health. So there are uh, okay, maybe to pay for this, uh, menopause app because it will help them. Um, yeah. so yeah, definitely. Do. Mm-hmm.
1: Delphine, you are amazing. Thank you for all that you do. Such a pleasure. And you, uh, I look forward to future collaborations.
0: Me too. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast.
1: Thank you for listening to my interview with Delphine Moulu, co-founder of Femtech France. Learn more about Femtech France at femtechfrance.org. Okay, Fem fans, it's time to get engaged. If you love the show, then you'll definitely enjoy reading our weekly newsletter. Subscribe at femhealthinsights.com. While there, you can also join our virtual community, which has over 1,000 Femtech founders, investors, and advisors you can get insights and feedback from. We have an active events calendar, jobs board, and much more. Please give our social channels for Femtech Focus and FemHealth Insights a follow. The links are in the show notes. And don't forget, sharing is caring. Send this show to a friend or colleague and keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.